for today because we have on Ellie and she is from the Speed Bumps podcast which is amazing you guys got to check it out she is an infectious disease scientist turned Reiki master and her story inspires me to not be such of a complaining asshole (laughs) you inspire me girl (laughs) well thank you thank you how are you I am good. So actually today is my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. (laughs) That's awesome. And you're taking your time to talk to me. I am. Yeah. Well, we rescheduled so many times and I felt just so bad. And and you said that today and I was like, at first I wanted to be like, no, it's my birthday. And then I was like, you know what? What better way to spend my birthday than to let all of my weirdness out? Because my story has been shared, but not the paranormal metaphysical side really and you know the 3d world has you know that that's the first episode of my podcast but not what I'm about to tell you oh my god I am literally like on pins and needles right now (laughs) I am so excited so how does it begin because I know and everyone obviously that listens to your podcast knows the physical stuff that you've been through as Mm -hmm. well as like psychological and all of that and it's yep. been crazy so far. So adding like <laughs> another layer onto that, like I cannot even imagine. Well, and like, I didn't know how to interweave the 3D craziness with the 5D craziness. So I just completely kept them separate and didn't even mention all of the other shit because I didn't know how. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm just going to overwhelm people if I say everything at once, right? Yeah. I'm like, people are already going to think I'm crazy when they hear that first episode. If I try and mishmash everything together, they're just going to put me in a loony bin. Like, well, no, I mean, I, I let my crazy out like on a daily basis. So trust me, I get it. But the first thing you said, like in your little intro into your podcast is like, everybody has speed bumps. They're meant for, you know, it's your your journey through life. Everybody's yep. gonna have them. Everybody and I was like, oh man, my my road's full of potholes and like speed bumps and all kinds of where they've patched the pavement up and it doesn't match and all kinds of crazy the rumble shit. strip, and, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So I knew exactly what you were talking about. So would you say like your paranormal experiences were from childhood or they happened after your like really severe surgeries and stuff? So they started when I was a kid, but my parents were kind of open to it. Not really. And I was raised Catholic. So there wasn't like, yeah, we totally think that you're seeing Indians in the basement. It was just, (laughs) no, you're a weird kid. And um, no, no, the house is not built on an Indian burial ground. And like poltergeist. I hated my parents' basement. Hated it. I was convinced I would go down there and I would see them. 
And I would remember running up the stairs so fast. And they, my parents would always be like, what are you doing? I'm like, there's the Indians down there. And they're like, Elizabeth, it, it, it's just a basement. You're fine. And I was like, no, it's not. So they thought you were hallucinating because you were a sickly kid, probably. Not necessarily hallucinating. I think they just thought I was making it up. Like, oh, every yeah. kid is afraid yeah. of the basement. Like, oh, it's dark. Oh, it's creepy. Like, it wasn't a finished basement. You know, so I think they just thought I had an overactive imagination. Uh-huh. Or you like know. when kids have, I always say this, but it's like when kids have imaginary friends, like it's so easy to say it's an imaginary friend, exactly. but it's not most of the time. No, to them, they can actually see it. To you, it's just imaginary. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. No, I believe you a hundred percent because basements for whatever reason are usually in my limited experience, the point of origin for a lot of weird shit. So like in my room, I just like, I felt like I was being watched, never liked my closet. Like my closet door always had to be closed. Um, just like got these, those creepy vibes. Like it wasn't anything like poltergeisty or anything. I just, I could see s- stuff, sense stuff. And, but after being told so many times as a kid, no, that's not real. No, that's not real. I basically suppressed a lot of it. I remember on my 18th birthday, why I wanted to do this, no idea, decided I was going to drive with two of my friends around a local uh, former insane asylum. Oh, hell. Listen, <laughs> young and dumb. And But for some reason, I was like, this is a great idea. And they went along with me. And I remember driving down this road and around it and you couldn't like go onto the property so we're just kind of like driving around it and I saw these two little girls and I looked at my two friends and I'm like do you see them and they're like uh no there's nothing there and I was like we're getting out of here this is a really bad idea um we're gonna go do something else <laughs> and I hightailed it out of it don't tell me they were twins Mm-mm. no they looked one was older That's one was still younger creepy though and so- but they couldn't see that that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, do you feel like some of the reasons why you're able to see them is because you've had like near death experience and you're a little bit more in tune with that side, even more so maybe than this side? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that um, when I used to have this dream, my grandpa passed when I was three and I was like his favorite grandkid. And apparently at the funeral, I went up you know, the, it's the casket in front of the church. And I hopped on my, uh, whoever was holding me in their arms. And I went up there and I said, Papa play, Papa play, Papa play. And I didn't understand that he was gone. And I would still talk to him and play with him, even though he, once he was passed and my mom just thought like, I missed him. And like, that's a normal three-year-old. That's not a normal three-year-old thing, by the way, people. No, probably um, no. <laughs> not a normal three-year-old thing. <laughs> And I remember for years, I had this dream of, I was older and in front of his casket and all my cousins were there because my mom was one of nine. So I have a huge family, like 30 some first cousins. And so all the cousins are standing around the casket and he sits up out of the casket and goes, let's play guys. Oh, hell no. Did you get bad vibes from that dream? I did. Or was it like? Okay, because that sounds creepy. I mean, I'm sorry to your pop pop, but that no. sounds really scary. Oh, and then when people would pass, 
that's what I would remember is that dream. So I was always terrified going up to a casket because I was convinced they were just going to pop up. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, no. Hell no. If I ever saw that in real life, I'd die. But I've always had like really, really vivid dreams like that too, like as a kid. Yeah. And, you know, you always chalk it up to like, oh, well, it's a dream. It's a dream it's or just kids means or nothing. Yeah. Literally means nothing. But I feel like there's more to it because when Absolutely. we're sleeping, God only knows where we are. Like oh, yeah, we travel projections yes. and stuff. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. And so fast forward to I'm in college and one of my uncles, he had cancer and stuff. My, my dad calls me and, you know, says, you know, your uncle's uh, basically in a coma. I end up driving down and I end up staying in the room with him. They'd put him in hospice. So there's no monitors on him or anything. And I'd been up for like 24 hours straight and I was sleeping in the room with him along with another one of my uncles. And the uncle was passing. His wife was at home and other family members were like somewhere else in the hospital. And my uncle, uh, Jerry and I, you know, we were the awake ones. Uncle Kenny was one who was passing. I'm, we're dead asleep. And I wake up all of a sudden, like something tells me to wake up when you're up for 24 hours, you're going to a dead sleep. Like you don't wake up. Mm-hmm. I sat up and I shook my uncle Jerry and I said, something's wrong. I said, he, he's going to go. And within two minutes he was gone. Like we oh. were there when he took his last breath. Like I woke up and it wasn't like, almost like he was waking you up. Like, Hey, yeah, like, Hey, like come be with me. This is the last time. So then my dad's mom, a few years later, um, ended up getting ill and very sick and was in hospice in the hospital. And I was going to, my dad was staying there overnight with her and I was going to stay with him. And I kept trying to go to sleep and something was like, go home. You're not needed here. Go home. You're not needed here. It's not going to happen tonight. So I told my dad, I, and I didn't tell him all that. I was like, I'm just going to go home tonight. I think it's okay. Like, you know, I'm just going to go mm-hmm. home, go home. Everything was fine. I had a doctor appointment the following morning. As soon as I got to the hospital, she was very close on her deathbed. My parents had found a note in her Bible, basically talking about how special I was because the way I was born mm-hmm. and things like that. And I said, grandma, don't worry. We found the note. And two minutes later, she's gone. Oh, for God's sake. So Isn't then, that funny how that happens? Yeah. And, and it was, she, it was like, she knew like mm-hmm. as soon as she knew that, like we had found it, like everything was okay. Um, but we had to say that, you know, and it was like, she was waiting for me to get there. Mm-hmm. So then my mom's mom, uh, I had married my first husband, May 19th. And then I had surgery scheduled like 10 days later for a part of the car accident. And so I knew that I was going to have this surgery and probably May 10th ish. We'll say, I remember texting my mom and going, I'm going to wake up from surgery. And my then husband is going to tell me that grandma's gone. And my mom goes, Elizabeth, that's awful. Don't say that. I was like, mom, I'm, I'm, I'm just letting you know. Cause it was her mom. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to prepare you. Like I'm two for two right now. Like Mm-hmm. Not trying to freak you out, but this is what's going to happen. I shit you not. They wheeled me back in for surgery. Apparently that is when they got the call that my grandma had passed. 
I woke up from surgery. The first words out of my mouth were, she's gone, isn't she? And my then husband looks at me and goes, uh, yeah. And I was like, I know. And I passed back out. Oh my God. So knowing that I can predict the deaths kind of, of people who are close to me. Is it just a feeling you get? You get the feeling first, right? I just know. Yeah, I just know. I just know. Oh my God. I bet your mom was like, does she believe you now? Uh, Yeah. And she didn't want to believe me when I told her about my grandma, but she knew that like I had been kind of basically, I said two for two and she's tried telling my cousin and a couple other people and like, Oh, that's not true. And she showed him the text message. Cause at that point it wasn't a verbal thing. It was, look, there's a time and date stamp on this. And they're like, Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Like two and a half, three weeks before she passed, I have proof that I told my mom when my grandma was going to die and how. That is so freaking wild. So, so do you feel like they come to you after they're dead at all? I haven't had that, to be honest with you. Like, okay. Um, my mom says that her dad has come to her. Uh, her mom apparently hasn't come to her yet. My dad has said that his mom came to her. Um, my mom said her brother came to her, my uncle Kenny that passed. Um, but they don't come to me, but I can feel them around. If that makes sense. Like they don't mm-hmm. come to me in a dream, but like I certain energy work or things like that. Um, a couple of them were definitely around when I was hit by that car. Cause oh let me my God. There, was, there was some divine intervention going on there. Yeah. Oh my God. So did you see angels? Or anything? I didn't. I, didn't, I don't have any. Rem, I don't have any memory of it. I literally. I remember starting to walk across the street, turning right because a lady was in a hurry to turn left, and turning my head to look at her to be like, "What a bitch!" And a car had followed her, and I somehow managed to get in between these two cars, and it was the second car that hit me. And then I remember waking up in the street kind of coherent and going, I need to get out like this, just innate sense of safety type thing. And then I remember being picked up. I remember yelling a guy to put me down. And then I remember being in the ambulance and calling my mom and complete, cause I was in shock, completely in a normal voice. Like I'm talking to you right now. Yeah, mom. Hi. Uh, yeah, I was hit by the car. Um, I think my hip is broken. It hurts really bad. Oh, look, we're at the hospital. I have to go now. Love you. Bye. Click. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> so I don't really remember much of that aspect. I have, um, I don't know if I really want to, to be honest with you. Like I have no recollection of being hit by the car. I wouldn't want to remember that. No. My body so did does you... though, and that's the creepy part. Okay. I was going to say, but you obviously could feel it afterwards. Every little bone and pain. Well, not even that. So like I had an indent in my left calf from the bumper and that took years to go away. But the craziest part for me is I was doing uh, a type of therapy called EMDR. It's like apid or eye movement desensitization, something. Um, And she started doing it and my head started doing this. And I was like, what am I doing? And for those who can't see, like my head was just like twitching left. And she's like, it's your body remembering you being hit because you have muscle memory, right? Just like if you do something repetitively, 
you know, you do a certain exercise repetitively, you do a dance repetitively, you re- your body remembers. Mm-hmm. So even though I have no conscious memory of it, my body remembers. My God. It's wild. It's wild. That is, that is, but it's also, like I said before, it's almost like you've had so much stuff happen to you in your life that you have like one foot in and one foot out of like the supernatural world. Yeah. Like I can't even imagine. It's so the other, we were driving maybe like a few days ago and we were going to a drive-in theater. Um, and we had driven down this road before saw the cemetery, saw everything, like nothing. I never saw any dead people. And I'm making all these faces. And my husband's like, looking at me, like he can tell something's up. My stepdaughter's in the back seat, So I'm not going to be like, Hey, I see dead people in the cemeteries. Not going to oh. do that. <laughs> so we finally get there and, you know, he pulls me off the side. He's like, are you okay? Like you're making these weird. And I was like, I kept seeing dead people in the cemeteries and they wanted to follow me. So I didn't let them, but I, I don't typically do that. Like, I don't typically just look at a cemetery and see all the dead people, like something out of a horror movie, but they oh, were, it was were like you scared? No. Cause I know now what it is, but I still don't like them. Like what are, they want your help. They do. Oh no. They do. And I just, just like in real life, you have to set boundaries, right? Like I have to set energetic or spiritual boundaries that I really don't like seeing the dead people. Like if I, you're going to communicate, like it better be like, I just get a feeling. Cause if I see you, I'm going to freak out. I don't Ellie, like, I don't want to like see anything. The kid from, you're like the kid from six, six. I know. And it sucks. Oh my God. <laughs> so do they ever verbalize like, Hey, can you help me find like my daughter's trying to find this thing and like, go help her find it. Like what, what kind of help do they need? It, they just don't realize that they're dead basically. That oh, I, for fuck's sake, that's worse. And so I kind of have to be like, just go to the light and, mm-hmm. you know, but then I have to like set boundaries because I, I don't want to open myself up too much to that because it does freak me out so much. So unless they're really pestering me, I basically set up like this little wall and I'm like, yes, I know I can help you. I'm choosing not to, and people can get mad at me for that all they want. Um, but I'm choosing not to, like, I can't. It, it, it freaks me out. Okay. It freaks me out. I don't want to. I hate it when people literally, if I, so I've had my own like paranormal yep. stuff happen yep. to me and my family. Right. And people will be like, oh, well, I don't think I would be scared if I saw you have no idea until you're in the moment, how fucking terrifying that shit is. Listen, if someone has never been home alone. And they hear a weird noise in the house and they get freaked out. If that happens to you, you, you can't judge anybody else on what they see, don't see, feel like, cause that's how, cause everyone's like, oh, well, what if there's a whatever in the house? Right. So if you get nervous at a little noise, when you're home alone, I don't want to hear about it. Yeah, no, I do not. The second you said we drove past the cemetery and I saw dead people, I was literally thinking of the sixth sense when he's just like playing in his tent. And there's that little girl with the throw up, like, I was, I would have to be admitted somewhere to the hospital if I saw something like that. And I wouldn't be interested in helping them. No. And and like, I don't want to see, but the weird part. So I was taking 
probably a month and a half ago now I was taking a, so it's like Reiki, but it's called IET. And the day before that I was taking like an energy protection course. And what happens now is I don't see them. Like I see you, it's almost like I get downloads of their story is the best Mm -hmm. way I can describe it. And because they don't talk like we're having a conversation. Um, it's more like downloads, I guess, basically it's the best way to describe it. And one of the teachers had paused the class and like, can you, and it was like in this older mill building where they had converted like this factory and like all those little individual shops. And I just, I hated the energy in there. I don't know if I could go to a course there. Cause it, that it, sounds like bad vibes. It, it wasn't great. It was not great. Um, but they're like, yeah, they could, and they could see or feel, um, how he looked. So they're like, yeah, he's a man and he has this and he has this hat. And me, what I got was, yeah, he's still around because he committed suicide by jumping out that window right there. And now he's stuck here. Oh, I get the story. I don't get necessarily what they look like now because I blocked that part off. But depending upon if someone points it out to me or if they're loud enough, I will get the download. So seeing all of them in the cemetery was weird. Because normally I just get the story downloads. So would they ever be like, my name is this? Or like, no, no no names or anything? Nope. Because that would be like so interesting to like try to find the guy. Like someone, like their obituary. (laughs) Part of me is curious. Part of me is curious. And then part of me is like, if I open up myself to that, I'm going to open up myself more. And I don't want to deal with that. So I purposely, mm-hmm. like, like I said, I set up those boundaries because I don't, I feel like I'm here to help people in the present, not on a mission to help those who have passed. There are people I that are you. more qualified, uh, that want to do that work. I do not want to do that work. I recognize it's a gift. Um, I use it when I absolutely have to, but for the most part, I really try and shut that part out. So would you consider yourself a medium? Like if you really wanted. (laughs) Right. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, because if you really wanted to do it, you could do it. You could do the mediumship stuff. I probably could, but I purposely don't practice it. Instead, what I do try and practice is um, like when I'm doing Reiki or IET, and it's actually happened when I do a couple podcast episodes, I'll be talking to somebody and I'll actually start channeling something. And it's one of those things I describe it as, I don't know why I'm saying this, but you need to hear this. And so whatever I say is very pertinent to you and your story and is going to make 100% sense to you. And it's something that you need to hear. I don't always understand why I'm simply passing along the message. That's even more powerful though, sometimes, because it's like, uh, when I would have uh, a conversation with Whitney Fox, um, mm-hmm. who is also, she does the medium and stuff. And some of the things she would say, like in the reading, I didn't even make sense of it until like days later. But it was like something that was happening that I didn't even know was happening. But it's yep. like, that just validates it because how would she know that? Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. And I always tell people, the information I'm giving may sound very vague, but it's because I specifically never ask the higher power source, God, whatever you want to call it, 
questions. I never want to delve in and feel like I'm invading your privacy. So mm-hmm. I'm simply passing along the message. So if I get the, your throat chakra is blocked and I kind of vaguely describe the situation, I can't tell you who, I can't tell you what to say, but I can get enough detail that you know what I'm talking about. And I'll tell the person, I was like, if you want to talk about it with me, you can, like, if you want to give names and describe the whole situation, you can, but you don't have to. And I'm also never going to ask, you know, source God, whatever for those details, because I feel like that's not something I need to know for you to get this message. So how do you feel like being more scientific has helped you with that? Because I know that's two totally polar opposite things. Oh, it's like the spiritual and like, you know what I mean? Like that blows my mind when I think about it because it's like lab coats and sciencey stuff. And then, you know, years and years later, you're like, I channel spirits just as long as they're not scary. I tell them to fuck off. <laughs> you know, it's like you've got all this like superpower. Like that's awesome. So I joke with my husband, my now husband, uh, he shattered my world because when I met him, I was in science. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was Lutheran, Catholic, Christian, whatever, um, and didn't think essential oils worked, believed that all Jabberwockies were good, like all of those things. Mm-hmm. Met him, and over the course of time, uh, everything I just described to you, I no longer subscribe to for the most part. Still think there's God, source, whatever, just don't believe in church as a building. Mm-hmm. And essential oils, you know, we were talking about beforehand, I sell uh, doTERRA and I love it. I think. I know that they work. They've helped me. They've helped Mm -hmm. my family members, things like that. Um, Crystals, when I'm drawn to them, I make them hot. And I didn't understand that that was a thing until the first time I was handed a crystal that was meant for me. And then I handed it to my now husband and he's like, this is really hot. And I was like, I don't know. I was just holding it. He's like, you were holding it for like three minutes and it's like super hot. What did you do? I was like, I don't know. No, that's how you know right there too. If it heats up like that, that's crazy. That's crazy. So if somebody was having like physical something, they're sick and they don't know why, could you even just like lay hands and kind of feel like where it's coming from on their body? I can. And I, maybe this is where like the science part helps a little bit in the sense of, I understand the body, the organs, the musculature, things like that. And so the way I describe it is I see beacons. Um, as little like physical pain points on your body. So Mm -hmm. you can come in and say, yep, I'm in pain or not even tell me, but I'll be able to see like a little beacon where it hurts. And I'll be able to just take my finger and go, yep, right there. Yep. Right there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I can tell you why sometimes I can't, but I can see them. I can see people's physical pain. If they allow me that. I never like, I don't just walk down a street and be like, yeah, I can see everyone's pain points. Like oh, I, try, right. I try and form that privacy, that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they need to ask for it basically. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I never just push anything on anybody. I never just willingly, you know, see something unless it's like sources, like, you know, you really got to go up to that person and tell them something. You know, Mm -hmm. I typically I have that off unless I'm in session with somebody. And, you know, I think it's interesting, too, because I heard somebody one time say, like, some of the physical pain you can have in your body is like. 
an emotional trauma or some weird baggage you have making you. And then there was this one guy, he was like, for, I couldn't lose weight. I had all these like problems and they thought I had fibromyalgia and all this. And he went to someone more spiritual and they said what it looked like was like toad in his throat, but it was like an evil thing. It was like an evil toad. And like he had to do the work and like the energy work and stuff to get rid of that toad. And then he lost all the weight and stuff and was like prime health. But I, it freaks me out because I don't want toads anywhere fucking near my body or like in it or (laughs) around it. But it's like, I always have like hip pain and I'm like, damn it. If this is something that's other than just physical, I'm going to freak out because I don't know how to get rid of it. So a lot of people because of, so everyone goes through shit, right? Mm-hmm. physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, like everyone goes through your own, your own stuff. So a lot of people have attachments and I'm not talking like necessarily demonic attachments, but like there's little things that like when you get like that random sudden headache, it's probably some little random attachment that if you knew how to clear it off you, your headache would go away. Um, but even, we, you know, the phrase, you feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders, right? We've all mm-hmm. heard that. Well, so when you have all this neck pain and shoulder pain and you don't know why, well, it's probably stress from whatever thing is causing you stress. So that is a perfect example of something that's emotional manifesting physical. Right, right. And it would be so easy to tell someone who's like, let's like your example about the headaches What you just said makes more sense than just having migraines all the time or just having headaches like and popping Advil and Aleve and Tylenol. And it's like, have you ever thought you get them all the time randomly because there's something you haven't cleared up in your life? And I'm the biggest hypocrite about that because I'll have like my constant hip pain or whatever. And I'll be like, it's just hip pain because my mom used to have hip pain and it's probably a genetic. But to be honest with you, maybe I just don't want to face what it might be. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like people can't, it's the hardest thing to be honest with yourself. Well, and what's super interesting too is it's probably physical to an extent, but the sense I'm getting is it's actually probably some type of generational trauma thing that got passed down. And so, because your mom had it and you have it and things like that, like there's something that need, like a cord needs to be cut. There is a con, like, I don't, that's not my specialty. There's people who can see these things and automatically, you know, clear the cords and the contracts from past lives, from whatever, um, that, so I reach out to somebody about that. I mean, I got chills. I'm not even going to (laughs) lie. Because, you know, the thing that everybody says about me is you have your mom's hips. And that's not funny because I have them in more ways than one, like the constant pain. And like she said, get this shit. She said it it used to nag her. But after she had me, it was like 10 on the pain scale every single day. And now I have it and I haven't even had kids. And when people see me, they'll go, oh, my God, you have your mom's hips. And it's like, I know there has to be something more than just, oh, I get a hip pain like when I do laundry. It's it's like it, it's probably because we had some kind of soul contract for the last million years and she's she's passed on and I'm still here, you know. 
Well, that and what a lot, like, I'm a girl, you're a girl. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And when we have kids, even, you know, the guys can do it too. But you, when you birth a baby, a lot of the things that are attached to you can go onto that baby. So, and not saying people do it on purpose. No one get offended. I right. Don't I don't think anybody offended. would do it on I don't purpose. Think, I know no, like, maybe some weird, creepy people. Yeah. For some the most freakazoids. Part, some freakazoids. But for the most part, people don't do that. But think of, you know, our mom's generation and things like that. They grew up very differently. And mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of stuff that they didn't deal with that wasn't okay to talk about. And a lot of things got suppressed. And Absolutely. Easily, just like your DNA passes on, there's other things that pass on, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people that be like, yeah, I have constant heartburn or, you know, my knees constantly hurt. And then, it, you know, the knees constantly hurt and it finds out they have money problems or they're worried about their finances or things like that. Like mm-hmm. there are certain physical things that happen that manifest in the body and they're pretty consistent. Now, that's not to say that every time you have knee pain, you're worried about money but there are common themes. Just like how people say our feet are like the most important part of our body that gets like abused on a daily basis. And I think like the whole, um, the rubber shoes thing to keep us from connecting with earth and like, is everything a conspiracy? Most of the 99.999% of the time, it's going to probably be a conspiracy. (laughs) Yeah, at least for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Someone always has an agenda. Whether we realize what the agenda is, whether we're totally off in what we think the agenda is, but there's probably some alternative agenda that we're not being told. Do you think if you could go back to your childhood that you would have taken any pharmaceuticals or done anything to your arm or like, would you have just been like, I'm just going to do the all natural route? Or do you think there's somewhere, some place for that kind of stuff? So I did, I believed in pharma basically up until mid 2020, like worked in it, lived in it, uh, took, um, swore by them. Like that's who I was have had like 18 surgeries or something like that, countless procedures, um, all the things. So my stance with pharma pharma is is... there's a time and a place. Heaven forbid I'm hit by a car again. I would rather you go to a trauma. I'd go to trauma bay. They'd fix me up. But then instead of narcotics, I'd really rather have my essential oils and my homeopathy. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a time and place. Are there certain cases that antibiotics are necessary? Absolutely. Are they also overprescribed? Absolutely. So there's not this, I'm, you know, hundred percent all natural things. Cause I do think Western medicine has a time and a place and it can be great for certain things, but it, I feel like it's abused. Um, oh, a hundred percent. And so, you know, when I was a kid with, you know, my arm surgeries and things like that, I think it would have been great if I had some natural options instead of, giving me Dilaudid and morphine and Vicodin and Valium. That scared me when I heard that. I was like, as a kid? I'm 10 years old. Yeah. Was it your liver fried by the end of that? So thankfully it's not, you know, and I, I've never been drunk. I don't really drink. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably honestly saved me too. But, you know, especially when I got older, I was in so much chronic pain everywhere and I could go into a doctor's office and be like, Mm, this hurts. 
and they'd be like, okay, what do you want? And it would be like, you know, going up to a bar and saying, what kind of drink do you want? And I could pick anything. It didn't matter if it was narcotic or not. They'd just prescribe it to me. Oh, like a drug dealer. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. I recognized that I didn't want to get addicted to things. And so if I went in there asking for something, like it was, I absolutely needed it. But for the longest time, I lived off prescription strength Aleve and prescription strength Motrin. Prescription strength Motrin, Motrin's like 800 milligrams. You're supposed to take one. Okay, I'm a fairly small woman, even smaller back then when I was doing it. And uh, I was popping three at a time sometimes, multiple oh. times a day. Oh, just, just... just to like function, basic function. Yeah. But I almost feel like in a way, and this is just my opinion, and you can tell me to fuck off. (laughs) But sometimes I think, because my dad was a prescription drug addict, and I think 100% of his pain was mental. And when he would stop taking the pain pills, he would go through withdrawals and throw up and have chills and cold sweats and all that. And it was horrendous to go through with him. But I don't think that he needed to take them for physical pain. He would say it was for physical pain, but he had a horrible childhood. He was abused. He was a broken person. And what he did was start abusing prescription pain medication. And when he would stop, he'd be like, look what I go through when I don't take them. I'd rather just take them. And I'd be like, I don't think that you're in pain though. I think you think you're in pain. And you're mentally traumatized and you think you have to have it. And then over time, it's like your dependency on them gets so ridiculous. It's like your body can't even function without. And it's just like a vicious cycle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, in a way, I guess you could prescribe me or describe me as like an addict when it came to like the Motrin. But I was always very conscious of the narcotics. Like I didn't like the way they made me feel. So if I took one, it was like at night and it was because, you know, I absolutely needed it and there was no other way I was going to sleep. Um, but I also then knew I didn't mentally prepare myself for the side effects that would happen later. You know, I'd get super nauseous or I'd have trouble going to the bathroom or, you know, all of these mm-hmm. things. So I didn't take them willy nilly. Now it was interesting coming off of those things because I started to realize I didn't need them as much. Yeah. And, but honestly, I stopped needing them as much when I started doing shadow work, mirror work, working on myself, whatever. Exactly. That's exactly where I was going with that. Yes. And that's not to say that I still don't have some physical pain like your state. Some days that my hip still hurts and things like that. Um, But it's nothing that, you know, an essential oil. Yeah, but it's like you said. Some of it is spiritual and some of it really is physical. And with with everything that you've been through, I would assume a lot of your pain is actually physical. But in, you know, my dad's case, it's like you said about about doctors being pretty much drug dealers. 100%. Because he would go in and they would just throw pills at him and throw pills at him. And it got to the point where he was like, the pills aren't cutting it for me. I need fentanyl patches. And the guy was just like, scribbled it on a pad and threw a script at him and gave him fentanyl patches for what? And then he would stick them all over himself like he was playing fucking 
connect like the two dots. Stickers. <laughs> yes. And when when he felt like one was about dried up, he would cut it open and suck the rest of the stuff out into his mouth and swallow it. And my mom, that's when the point, like me and my mom left, we were like, there's yeah. no fixing you. You're, you've gone fucking off the deep end. But it's like doctors will literally enable that type of behavior. So yes, 100% agree. And I also think it's because they feel like they don't know anything else. They don't have another option. And if you go and tell people you need to go work on yourself, most counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists, whatever, aren't really going to help you. Okay. They're not, they they want this diagnosis. They'll give you a psych med instead. You know, even though, even the talk therapy ones, they're not going to want to push you to talk about the things that you should talk about. Right. They're not going to mm-hmm. ask you to talk about your traumas or maybe you can't and you need a different alter, you know, form of therapy to do that. But a lot of people have trouble doing that and they don't want to push. And oh, yeah. And so if you're not if you don't want to be better, if you don't want to change, whether that in whatever way that is losing weight, addict, you know, whatever it is, unless you want to do it, it's not going to happen. doesn't matter how many doctors, whatever. Mm hmm. And I feel like when you talk about it all the time, it becomes real because he would always be like, oh, I need a pill. Oh, I'm in so much pain. Oh, it never stops. Oh, it's constant. And I was like, I never like looking back on it. He never had a word of positivity like ever. And I never really talk about my dad because it's like I don't dwell on that stuff because it's like a negative part of my life that I've cut out and kind of been like nope, that's not me. That's I'll never be like that. But at the same time, it's like, I've seen both sides of it because my mom had breast cancer, obviously, and passed away Mm -hmm. from that. And she did chemo, radiation, whatever. And then when it came back the second time, she was just like, I'm not going to do any medications whatsoever. I'm just going to live life to the fullest until, you know, I'm dead. And she actually had an easier time doing that than the chemo and radiation because that about that about killed her on its own you know yeah yeah and there's something to be said about you know what you speak comes true whether it's positive or negative and to your point of you know he's constantly talking about it so what you constantly say becomes true so Mm -hmm. if you know you're constantly telling yourself oh my god i'm in so much pain i'm in so much pain i'm in so much pain that's what's going to happen. And if you're constantly telling yourself I'm healthy, my bones are healing, you know, I have a great immune system, whatever it is, um, that'll Mm -hmm. happen. It's not saying it's going to happen overnight, but it will happen. You know, and I remember, do you know what Reiki is? I know the generals of it, but I've never had it done to me or anything like that. Okay. So like I said, I grew up Catholic. I had no idea what any of this stuff was, but I didn't like taking the pain meds as a kid. I didn't like the way they made me feel. So when my arm would really hurt, I would imagine a syringe going into my arm. And as the syringe was drawing up, it was drawing up all the pain. And then I would throw the syringe away and I would sit there and I would do this in my head. Like I would just close my eyes and I would sit there and it was like I was meditating almost. And then the pain would go away and I'd be fine. Like I could stop spasms and things like that. Didn't always work, but I, something was just like, just do this. And it was like in my head. And so I thought everybody did that. And it wasn't until oh, I learned Reiki dang. that I realized that I was doing energy healing on myself at 10 years old, not knowing that's what I was actually doing. Do you feel like it's something ornate 
that's just born into everyone, but like you never discover how to use it. I feel like anybody can do it, but you have to be in the right mindset, right? Like anybody can learn to bake. Anybody can learn to sew. Um, but if you don't want to, you're, you're not going to. And when I'm, I known my husband for a few months and his back was really hurting one day. And I think I had had a Reiki session at that point, but I was not, did not take any Reiki classes. And I was like, I just want to do something. And I had him like lay on the floor. And I remember, you know, putting my hands on his back in certain places and, you know, things like that. And apparently my hands got hot. And then I was like, okay, so do you feel better after like 20 minutes or something? He's like, yeah. He's like, what'd you do? I was like, I don't know. I just felt like I should do that. And he's like, do you realize what you did? And I'm like, no, what did I do? He's like, you basically did Reiki without and <laughs> like the and energy like, no. healing. Yeah. 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 Like, no, what did I do? Right. I like, Are you better? Cool. Yeah. Do you feel better? Cause that's all I was trying to do anyways. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's crazy too. So now that you've done more of it and, and you're more experienced, when you lay hands on someone and your hands get hot, does it ever make you feel their physical pain or do you have to like, what do you do to cleanse yourself of their crap you just pulled out? So sometimes I can feel the physical pain, but I never, I try really hard not to take it on. So whenever I go into a session, I imagine um, like roots coming from my feet and into the ground. The earth is very grounding. That's why people say I walk barefoot, you know, sand, grass, water, whatever. Um, so all of that goes back to mother earth. You know, I perform a um, you know, a bubble around me, my Reiki master who taught me, taught me basically to put, um, called Reiki bands around your wrists, like invisible ones. And just, you know, so nothing can go past your hands onto you. And so it's just cleansing and grounding and making sure you're not taking any of their stuff. So some people use crystals, some people use oil, some people use, um, psychic protection. Some people use a combination of, for me, it's just whatever feels right in that moment. Okay, because I was going to say, let's say someone came in and it's like we talked about earlier. They don't really have hip pain. They got some spiritual toad in their hip and you don't want the toad. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, what can you do? Obviously, you just said, but it's like Mm -hmm. I get nervous about that kind of stuff. Even like sometimes when I do a podcast and I'm talking about like a demonic thing or something, I'll be like, God, put the spirit spiritual hedge up because I don't even like talking sometimes about let alone like putting my hands on someone who's got a toad in them so I feel like that's part of the reason I'm still around (laughs) right right. like that this is what I was meant to do you know I went into science to help people I actually left science Mm -hmm. to help people because I wasn't actually helping people in big pharma and um all I've ever wanted to do is help people and you know, whether, you know, I feel like I've been called to lay hands on people, um, and, you know, help them with essential oils and help them do more natural, holistic living. That's what I feel like I'm here for. I feel like that's the reason I'm still alive. And I, well, I've died. I'm not dead, dead. <laughs> so right. you know, I keep coming back. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's what I was going to say is like, if anybody was going to do it, I feel like you'd be perfect for it because it's like, you cannot complain 
and tell me how bad you're hurting or how many this surgeries you've had or how many like negative things have happened to you. Because if I can do it, you definitely can get over your shit. You know what I'm saying? Like you're the person who could say that, like, look at me and I'm doing it and it works. Trust me. And I feel like that would be enough for me to be like, okay, you're right. Like I'll take your word for it. You know what I'm saying? So I do that to an extent. I do it in the sense of if you're continually having a pity party with yourself, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And I'm going to basically say what you said, but Mm -hmm. I also recognize that everyone has their own experience. And just because you, you may be in less pain or gone through less things than I do doesn't mean the stuff that you went through or are going through doesn't matter. And it's not worth it. So I still validate those things and like not to diminish it, but like take me as an example. Yes. And so I recognize kind of like if to your point, if I can do it, you can do it, but also you have to find what works for you. And I'm not going to tell you basically suck it up buttercup unless Mm -hmm. you're just sitting there for 20 minutes going, woe is me. And I'm trying to give you um, options and you're not taking them. Like if, if you just want to vent, tell me you just want to vent. But if you're coming to me okay. asking yeah. for help and I'm giving you help and you're just going, no, I'm going to ignore you. That's when I'm going to be like, okay, you need to stop. You asked me for help. So do you really want help or do you just want to have a bitch session? I'm good mm-hmm. with either one, but you need to be honest with what you need. And I think that's to, like I said before, like being honest with yourself is sometimes the hardest thing anyone could ever do ever. Because if they come to you, they know they want a bitch or they know that they need help or a combination of the two. But then they get in there and they're like, oh, I just wanted to try it out and see if it works. I'm skeptical. I don't know. Like, or whatever. I don't really want to talk about it. Well, my favorite is they come in wanting for help, right? Right. But then part of the help is me getting those channeled messages that they then have to go do something. I can't just magically make uh, it all better. The homework. Like, the homework. And they're like, well, what, wait, what do you mean I have to go do something? Like, you just can't do that? And I'm like, no. Like, if you need to go talk to somebody, you need to go talk to somebody. And I'm telling you that I'm being told that you need to go talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. So you need to go do that. Well, I'll just come back for another Reiki or whatever. And I was like, okay, like, I'll just keep doing the same thing. And you can keep giving me your money. Like, that's fine. But I'm going to keep giving you the same message until you go do it. (laughs) Like, exactly. Okay. (laughs) If that's really what you want to do. No, yeah, definitely. Because I try to do the shadow work and I try and it's so hard to look in that mirror sometimes, you know, and be like, am I really the cause of everything that's wrong in my life? And it's like, yeah, kind of, <laughs> I mean, you know, self-sabotage, all that stuff. And you don't even realize you do it sometimes, you know, yeah. do you feel like after we die when I'm dirt, right. And I'm buried. Do I still have the same problems in death that I do in life that I have to work on. And is that why we have haunted houses and like ghosts and it's like unfinished business. Like you still never healed or you still never got over whatever. And you're like haunt or 
do you think we just come back and do this life and we keep doing a life and a life and a life until we learn all like reincarnation when we just learn our lessons over time i feel like it's a combination of those so i feel like the ones who are stuck here are the ones that you know they, they they are trapped and they're for whatever reason they can't leave and they don't want to continue to try and learn those lessons so those are the ones that are stuck here but we're meant to go on and we're meant to continue learning those lessons if we didn't do it here so that's where the reincarnation piece comes in and so it's kind of like a melding of the two of if you don't want to move on and learn your shit you're stuck here i think that is a perfect way of this describing it and you know what else i think i don't think you have to be buddha or jesus or i think ascension is possible even if you've just lived a normal life because i've met people before and i'll be like they are like a living church you know they're so kind and so nice and so giving and it's like it's hard for me to think even that that person when they die would have to come back and do it all over again when they, they were such a peaceful, loving, happy person. But I feel like maybe you, you can reach that point where you do ascend and you go to heaven or wherever. Yeah. Like, I feel like at some point there's a top of the ladder, the class and like, I don't know, you graduate, whatever metaphor you want to use. Um, I feel like that has to happen at some point. So. Yeah. And it's like something that I don't really hear a lot of people talk about because it's like, everybody loves talking about how we have to come back and earth is our, our school and you know Mm -hmm. we're learning lessons and it's like all right but how do I know when I'm done with the school (laughs) I'm ready to graduate like let's talk about where do we go when we graduate and I think it's some kind of a paradise I think it's some kind of a heaven however you want to describe that yeah for some people that could be you know the place in the clouds it could be another planet it could like what yeah whatever you want to term heaven I don't know you know if this is my last time on earth, if I'm going to come back, you know, like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then you get into the whole idea of other planets and other realms and timelines. And I'm like, where are you probably- on UFOs and like aliens? Where are you on that? Are they interdimensional? You think it's a bunch of bullshit? I feel like they're probably, it's in my opinion, it is more likely they are interdimensional than physical. From like- another planet from another planet however the whole what technology do we have to really observe space and did they want to be observed and things like that and so it's Mm -hmm. something that like I'll play with every once in a while of all right so what might aliens actually be and you know and for all I know maybe it's a combination of of there's you know the little green men out there and there's also the you know interdimensional ones and Mm mm-hmm I want to believe it so bad, but maybe that's just a conspiracy theorist in me that wants like the the blonde hair, blue eyed ones to be real and the dolphin people and the dog people. But I've always said, like, what if they're in every dimension? It's like all the animals we have on Earth, but they're a person like a dog Mm -hmm. person. And they have like humans as pets or something, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's just weird. Like you could imagine it like a billion different ways. Oh yeah. And and, like anything is possible. And this is where like some people, like I never fit nicely into a box. I never have or a label. Um, Right. And for now, and for the most part, I'm like, you throw something at me and like, yeah, that's possible. 
and you throw in an alternate. Yeah, that's possible. You know, and like, you <laughs> know, is, is, there a, is there a flat? Yeah, it could be possible. It's earth round. Yeah, that could be possible. Is there an ice dome? Is there hollow earth? Is there, you know, insert the 42 variations here. And my answer is always going to be, yeah, that's possible. And I'm like, the same way. Cause everything has compelling sides and I just like listening to all of it. So. Oh yeah. And I love talking to people about all of it because sometimes you get like really down the rabbit hole on something and you're like, Oh my God, they have me convinced, you know? And then you hear the same argument, like the opposite argument from a different person. And you're like, Oh my God, they have me convinced. So it's like, you never really know. You're like perpetually in the middle of everything. Exactly. And for me, I'm more like, well, if it doesn't directly affect my life and how I'm going to live, I'm just going to entertain all possibilities. Oh yeah, me too, definitely. But you know, the thing is, it's like there's no good Reikis around here. I mean, you would think Oklahoma City as big as it is like we'd have, but it's like I get online and it's like they got a bunch of two-star reviews, like worst experience ever. And it's like, I don't even have anywhere I can go if I wanted to. (laughs) You can get distance Reiki. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was really like a hands-on thing. It can be, but there's also like Reiki masters can do, like I can do distance Reiki. I can do distance IET. Like it, yeah. That is awesome. So do you have like a website people can go to? I'm working on it. (laughs) Okay. I was going to say you have to, if you're doing distance Reiki, I'm all about it. I don't advertise it um, because I would only rather do distance Reiki to people that I know a little bit, like I don't, because there's no, like to your point, there's no hands-on thing. I'd much mm-hmm. rather, like I would, I could do it on you because we've talked and things like that, but I wouldn't want just a random person to be like, yeah, so I heard you do distance Reiki. Want to schedule for oh, whatever? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I would need to have a conversation with them first. Bond. Mm-hmm. Because there's not that physical touch. Yes. And you can bond with people over Zoom. I've done it. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Isn't that the craziest feeling, though? Yeah. No, yeah, I, I re- mean, it's it's almost like we've been friends for years or something. And then you're like, oh, my friend Ellie. Or like, oh, my friend Shayla. And they're like, you've never met them. And I'm like, I feel like we've, been, we've known listen, each other for years. Listen, you know? we, we've totally met. We just, you know, in, in the astral world, we've met. And if you <laughs> just give them that answer and confuse them even more. Yeah, they'll be like, okay, she's, uh, she's interesting. <laughs> she's a little out there. So, it is now time for the honorary question. Wait, I have a story that you're going to want on this podcast before I give you your honorary question. Do you have time? I am very excited to hear about it. Yes. So I'm going to change names for sake of keeping everyone who was involved except for me anonymous. Mm-hmm. I had a friend, a male friend, we're going to call him George. And we were in a relationship and he had a crazy ex-girlfriend. We're going to call Barb. Mm-hmm. I never met Barb and we were living together. And, uh, I started getting this sense that Barb was doing things in the house and apparently Barb is the one who introduced George to the metaphysical and then Helen also knew Barb and George. Okay. 
and Helen and George were still friends. So George and I went to go move in together and I started realizing that I was getting possessed by Barb. Oh my God. And I was speaking like her. I was having the same mannerisms as her, the same um, speech patterns. And I was having memories that were not mine. She was into some dark shit, wasn't she? She was into some dark shit. Oh my God. I knew it. She was doing voodoo, hoodoo. I don't even know. At one point, uh, she possessed my cat. And so there, George would have to do different things to get Barb out of me. I got to a point that like, there was one time Helen was over and I looked at George and I said, Barb wants to come through. Oh, and I looked at him no. and I was like, do you want me to let her in? Like, I, it's like, I could hear her knocking at the door <gasps> and, uh, he goes, sure. And I let her in Helen, who had met Barb sees me change. Apparently my facial expressions change and everything else. She realizes what is happening. Cause I'm telling them things that I have no idea about. She loses her shit walks all the way to the backyard and was like I'm nope and I'm out of here um (gasps) oh yeah it was it was some crazy the first few times yeah I was like what is happening to me why is this happening you have to go confront her so we ended up doing a bunch of different protections around me around the house I had to go get clearings professionally done um it was a whole thing it was a whole thing and oh, you had to burn sage for six months and <laughs> there was a whole bunch of things. I don't even talk about all of the things that were done to the house. I don't even know all the things that were done to the house because it, we didn't know if she was always kind of like listening. So George would go and do things in the house to protect the house that I couldn't know about me as Ellie. So then I couldn't let Barb know. Because Barb would find out. Yep. That bitch who gave her the right so to do the, that. The house is now thoroughly protected. I am thoroughly protected. Um, but yeah, it was some crazy shit. And it, this that, was an ex-boyfriend. It was a guy was with his ex-girlfriend. Oh my who god. Who I never met. And they had been you know, broken up for years. Did you feel like you were asleep when she took over? Or were you a passenger? It was, I was like a passenger. Like I could see and hear all the things that she was doing. Um, but I couldn't, after a while I got wise to it and I could like, like I said, I put up that door and I could hear her knocking and things like that. Um, but so so she was into like some like sticking pins and dolls and stuff had to be yeah she was into some dark shit she hated you because you stole her man you think that's what it was apparently but they were broken up for years so I just think she had issues oh my god that's worse that's worse and so then George and I had moved in together when George was moving out of his house in that house he lived in with Barb for a little bit. Um, we were cleaning out the basement. 
uh, under his dress military uniform that was from the past was a large clump of female hair. Apparently in black magic type things, that is a thing. And he had told me she was made very big deal about like when she would brush her hair, she would always completely dispose of it. So no one could use that against her. So for a very large wad of female hair to be found under something that was very important to him, like, oh my gosh, like it, yeah, there was things about trapping things in mirrors and it was a whole thing. Oh no, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) What did she trap in a mirror? No, we trapped her in a mirror at one point. Oh my God. So she, uh, uh. (laughs) and she got in the cat too not anymore she at one point she was in the cat yeah george had to go cleanse my cat yep basically before because like animals are so innocent so my our cat my my cat is very magical Mm -hmm. and you know if i would bring something in from the metaphysical store whatever crystals we would have to lay it out and she would have to sniff it all. Um, if I was doing Reiki, you know, in the house, she would want to get involved in that. She was, a, she is a very spiritual, magical cat. And I think just like me, she got hijacked, unfortunately. So that's why, you know, oh the whole God. house now has certain protections. Like I said, that I don't even know about. How could you tell? Just and curious. Yeah. I feel like everyone knows their animals. And just like you get like a bad vibe about somebody or like you could feel the energy was different. She just, she, oh her eyes God. looked different. She, like we just knew. And at that point, Barb had already been messing yeah, with and me. You know, I asked you, but then after I asked you, I was like, I would know. Because the way my dog looks at me, his sweet little yep. innocent face, his mannerisms, like if something changed in him, I would know immediately. And that's just like a connection that you can get with your animal. You know what I mean? It's like your best friends. So that is freaking wild. She never, she stopped after a while, right? Like she did, she stopped the attack. We we made her stop. We we made her stop. How do you even, so this is the kind of stuff I talk about where it's like, you can't even like go to the cops and be like, she's literally jumping inside my body and has, you know, cast the spells on us. They'd be like, okay. <laughs> so you, we, like I said, we went and got professional metaphysical mm-hmm. help basically, you know, and like I said, things were told to George that I was unaware of. Um, I mean, shame on her for doing that. You know, all that comes back on you when you do that dark shit, it all comes back on you. Yep. Yep. It's- I wonder what her little ass has been up to lately. I wonder if she learned her lesson. Or if she's still doing all that dark shit. I don't know. Kind of to your point that we talked earlier about like what you talk about manifest. So we don't even mm-hmm. think about her. We don't talk about her. We don't. Mm-hmm. It's just, it is what it is. Nothing has happened to you like that since. So it almost taught you a lesson in a way. I honestly, I think it was a lesson in you need to learn how to protect yourself. Because yes, if you're going exactly to be what I was gonna say. laying hands on people to your point earlier, you know, how you make sure you don't get all their ick on you and and mm-hmm. it, it was a lesson for me. Oh my God. That is freaking wild. <laughs> I can see how you were like, oh, I don't know. I don't really talk about because unless you have the right audience 
They're, it's I believe you 100%. <laughs> but it's like, how do you explain to someone uh-huh. dark magic, the fact that you were hijacked by a living person mm-hmm. who was trying to, like, attach themselves? Like, that is so difficult to explain to someone who's just, like, co- completely oblivious of this lifestyle. Well, that and then throw in the fact of what I used to do and what I do now. And mm-hmm. it's just... Like, I couldn't put this in with my 3D story. It's hard to. Like, how I I didn't even know how to mesh the two. And so I just didn't even try. (laughs) And just your 3D story on its own is, like, magical, though, in a way. Yes. Yes, And then you mesh in the actual magic. And then it's like, oh, shit. (laughs) We are on a whole nother level now. (laughs) But you see why now I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I should be talking about this and because this was the story that I had in mind of I don't know if I should tell people but body snatcher oh my god that is just freaking wild you should start doing some more of this stuff on your show I think you I think you should I like whether they're 3d experiences 5d experiences whatever I'll talk to anybody about anything so you know, it, it doesn't just have to be 3D craziness. Um, you, I would like love for you to come on. Stuff. Yeah, it doesn't have to be life traumas. I talked to uh, Legs and Buffalo from False Reality Check about starting a homestead. Like, mm-hmm. so literally anyone about anything, like I love for you to come on and tell, you know, whatever you're comfortable sharing. And I very rarely do I be like, I want you to talk about this. Typically it's I reach out to somebody because they had already shared something and then I just mm-hmm. wanted them to elaborate if they were comfortable. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say I'm an open book. Shoot, I got episodes on everything. (laughs) But I admire you because you're using what you've learned, like, to help people. And not just like, this is my life story. This is what I've been through. But I didn't do anything with it. It's like you took it and you like adapted and you changed and you learned and you went on like a spiritual path. And it's like, it's just come like full circle and you're a completely different person and you're better for it. Yeah. I would agree with that statement. Oh, that is so crazy. So where can people find your podcast if they want to reach out to you like on Instagram or come on your show or. Yeah. So my podcast on Instagram, you can find it at uh, speed.bumps.podcast. The Speed Bumps podcast right now is on Spotify, Apple, and Google. Um, And then my personal Instagram where you can find more about like my story and things like that is O-N-E thumb E-L one thumb L because I only have one thumb. Go listen to the first episode of my podcast to figure out all of that. And my links are also in my Instagram. So if you're in Connecticut, you know, you can book a session with me there. If you do want to do some type of distance work, DM me and we'll chat beforehand and I'll figure out if it's a good fit. That is so awesome. But now, since we're talking about body snatchers. Okay. What is your favorite scary movie, Ellie? I'm absolutely horrified of scary movies and I'm the biggest scary cat and won't watch them. I don't have one. I knew it. I was going to say, I bet you don't even watch that dark shit. I don't. And even regular movies, it drives my husband nuts because he'll be like, you want to watch a movie? And if I stay awake for more than 20 minutes, that's impressive. There's very few movies I've seen all the way through because I fall asleep every single time. 
I do too recently. I'll be like, oh, I really want to watch Ready Player One. And then I'll get like to the same 15 minute mark every yep. time <laughs> I start snoozing. So have you seen anything cool lately, like in the movies or what's your favorite movie of all time? It could even be like Ferris Bueller's Day Off because I love Ferris Bueller. My two favorite movies are the original Dirty Dancing with Patrick Swayze. Oh, me too. And Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, I love like, that one. I, I, I just, I love them. I can quote them both. I love them. Recently, I went and saw the new Minions movie with uh, my husband and stepdaughter. That was adorable. Like, I feel like whether you're a kid or adult, you would totally enjoy that. Oh, yeah. So. Those movies are kind of like, they they transcend age almost. Yes. Yes. Because I like Big Hero 6. And yep. I like all, I love Princess and the Frog. Like, I still have Disney Plus for God's oh, yeah. sake. <laughs> Even though I don't support Disney. Oh, no. I mm-hmm. love Disney movies. Is that a hypocrite or not? It's definitely hypocritical. (laughs) Probably a little bit in a sense, but at the same time, like every company does something that you probably don't align with morally. So unless you're going to be completely self-sufficient and live off the grid and never talk to anybody, a a company that you support in some way probably does something that you don't agree with. So take the whole cancel culture with a grain of salt. I mean, that's what you just said is more realistic than a lot of what people are saying right now like delete netflix delete disney plus delete this delete that and it's like what the fuck am i gonna do if i can't find enjoyment in anything anymore because everything's corrupt because it is corrupt (laughs) like everything is everything is corrupt everybody does something wrong you know there's people can find something about a media company about a shoe company about a clothing company about a cleaning line company like you can find something about somebody if you really want to and you dig deep enough pick your struggle and like i'm sure you you know the people who do that they probably done things that they'd be canceled for too so just grain of salt people you know what's the saying you can't remove a needle from someone's eye until you remove the rock from yours or oh yes yes don't attempt to remove this splinter from your brother's eye until you remove the log from your own. That one. Which is, yeah. <laughs> which is crazy because it's it's so relevant to today. It is. Everybody's got to, like, oh, they did this or they did this or I don't like this about them or I don't, that, that, cancel, cancel, cancel. And they're, like, the biggest dick of them all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so like, it's like, listen, I, I don't like all. drama. I left a six-figure in- income because of drama. You worry about yourself and don't drag me into your drama. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very well said. <laughs> you have enough going on. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm not going to deal with other people's drama. Thank you for coming on because this has been so much fun. It's been a pleasure meeting you. I feel like we've known each other for years. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird, but it's true. And for all my listeners, go and check out Speed Bump. She is amazing. I am so jealous of her. She's cooler than me. <laughs> Listen, to be as cool, you have to go through all my shit. You ready for that? <laughs> no, you're like, ah, no. <laughs> Let me rethink that. <laughs> exactly. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and have a great night. Who's watching? Who's watching me?